0: Hello and welcome to the Supply Chain Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today and don't forget to come back every Friday for new episodes featuring leaders in the supply chain. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Manish Zaksena, the Senior Vice President of Product Strategy and Management at Locus. For some of you who don't know, Locus is a global decision-making platform that automates human decision-making, in the supply chain to provide efficiency, transparency and consistency in logistics operations. So it's a really exciting podcast say, I hope you all enjoy. So firstly, hello, how are you doing today?
1: I'm, I'm good, Emily. Thank you. Thanks for having me here today.
0: Absolutely, of course. And firstly, if you could just introduce yourself and your current job role and kind of what you overlook.
1: Sure. So uh, as Senior Vice President of Product Strategy and Management, the role uh, tries to minimize misalignment that is there between what the organization is building and what we are selling. So uh, in this role, I closely work with a sales leader and engineering leaders to minimize the misalignment. Idea is to drive market expansion, product expansion, and customer expansion. All in all, the KPI is uh, revenue increase at uh, right profitability.
0: Amazing. Thank you for that. And I'm wondering if you could also... For the bigger picture, can I explain Locus's mission statement and their position within the supply chain sector?
1: Right. So the current mission and vision of Locus is to build a digital chief supply chain officer. Uh, The idea is to help supply chain planners and leaders to take better decisions via actionable insights. Uh, Currently, we are translating this mission by building an interconnected and intelligent platform that automates frequent, and high value decisions. There are decisions that are not frequent and low value. We are not focusing on them. Goal is to focus on high value and frequently taken decisions involved in global supply chains. And uh, to do this automation, uh, we are are leveraging heavily artificial intelligence and machine learning frameworks. Uh, At at the moment, platform helps enterprises solve some of the biggest pain points uh, around route optimization, uh, real-time tracking, visibility, and analytics exception handling before they even happen. So proactive and prescriptive analytics uh, is is part of the mix. Uh, Be it at optimization related problems we are helping our customers solve, uh, warehouse management and logistics management uh, is core to us today. Uh, Locus offers this capability uh, to any of the logistics legacy systems available, uh, which which are being used by current customers. Uh, With seamless end-to-end visibility across all stakeholders, our platform empowers global customers across industry to be future-ready, Uh, future-proof their supply chain uh, for performance and growth.
0: Amazing. And we're definitely going to touch on those technologies a little bit more later. But I'm wondering um, if you could kind of run us through the products that you actually provide. So just to list them off, we've got Dispatch IQ, Track IQ, Node IQ and Field IQ. I was wondering if you could kind of speak on the product that's been the most successful and just run us through that.
1: Cool. So starting off with Dispatch IQ, This is the core product offering. It's it's an AI-enabled dispatch management and dispatch planning uh, software. Uh, CPG companies, they use this uh, tool to manage their last mile fulfillment of orders. Uh, We allocate orders based on priority, based on the carrier. So in a way, entire order to fulfillment lifecycle can be planned using uh, Dispatch IQ. Uh, this, This tool, supports both scheduled orders as well as on-demand orders. So we can uh, replace or have food delivery startups uh, cater to their orders. Uh, Automated recommendations on best suited vehicles based on traffic, based on weather data, based on rider preference is also taken into account while planning routes. Uh, We have integrated with a lot of data sources, external data sources, uh, to ensure that cost efficiencies are delivered while planning uh, these orders for the end customers. The second product is around execution. So dispatch IQ is planning, track IQ is mainly into execution. It ensures that what you have planned uh, can be executed on ground. So uh, once once in execution, track IQ helps our users uh, real time see what is happening with the order, where it is. If delays are gonna happen, why delays are going to happen. Uh, it facilitates, a, you know, conversation between the dispatch planners and operational team who are actually executing the the orders. Uh, apart from uh, exception management, this also provides end-to-end visibility and transparency to the entire supply chain. Uh, in turn, helping our users make better decisions in real time, uh, proactively. Finally, uh, I'm and I'm most excited about this Node IQ, uh, a new product offering that we have just launched uh, last month. Uh, This is a strategic uh, supply chain decision management tool. Uh, It helps uh, with smart supply chain decision uh, uh, making by supply chain planners in a way to help them optimize their supply chain design uh, and help them optimize inventory, making sure that they stock right inventory at right place at right time and right quantity. Uh, We use deep data science to detect anomalies, uh, raise exceptions whenever anomalies are happening. Uh, and and then help them optimize the entire network instead of just node. In today's scenario, most of the softwares they are nodal in nature. So if supply chain have sourcing function, making production function, uh, logistics function, and and then sales as a function, all these systems they use uh, different tools, you know, nodal tools. In, and these systems are in silos. Node IQ interconnects them uh, in in a seamless way and uh, adds a system of intelligence on top of the system of records. It with a highly intuitive interface, so it's pretty easy for any non-technical business users to use it, run studies, run simulations. Finally, Field IQ uh, again, it's an intelligent platform that uses AI to help companies uh, with services and retail fulfillment operations. Uh, it allows uh, companies to improve their field executive efficiencies. In, in in a way, it is meant for revenue growth. If I talk about Dispatch IQ, it's for you know, cost optimization. If I talk talk about track IQ, it's again for cost optimization and improve, improving productivity. Node IQ helps with revenue, minimize working capital, minimize loss sales. So in a way, revenue growth. And field IQ is also for revenue gra- growth uh, related business objectives.
0: That's amazing. Thank you so much for running us through that. And obviously, there you spoke on um, the benefits uh, that each of those products can bring. And I'm curious to touch on um, human decision making here. So my question is what human decisions are the most essential to automate in terms of productivity and boosting efficiency?
1: Right, so when we talk about human decisions, we uh, classify human decisions based on three main dimensions. First one is how frequent this decision is being taken. Uh, The second dimension is what is the value of this decision? If I take this, how much value we're gonna save? And third, can technology can actually make a difference? Can we actually automate uh, this decision through technology? Uh, So these are the three different dimensions we keep in mind while identifying uh, high value and frequent decisions. Uh, Just to give an example, logistic planning involves millions of orders to be sequenced and scheduled for order fulfillment. This is a kind of decision that needs automation and that too intelligently. uh, Every order fulfillment has moderate value associated with it. But if I combine the economy of scales, it it helps me uh, with the overall value uh, demonstration. So this is a kind of value. Similarly, sourcing. When I should source, what should I source and from where I should source. Uh, Sourcing decisions are also uh, high value business decisions that happen pretty frequently. Uh, inventory placement, which inventory to be uh, stored in which retailer, at which retailer, in how much quantity is again a high value and a frequently uh, obtained decision. So this is d- decision like these in all the domains of supply chain, including procurement, inclu- including uh, manufacturing, uh, logistics, as well as in, in retail sales. Uh, they are ha- very prominent candidate for automation to improve productivity and efficiency.
0: Brilliant. And um, obviously, we're talking about automation as a whole here, but I'm wondering if we can kind of break down the technologies that are actually used within these products and within the services that you provide.
1: Right. So our products, they have four distinct pillars. All our products are built using these four pillars uh, in, in, in mind. Automation is being one. We want to automate that submission statement, but we want to automate with intelligence. We want to imbue our products with the uh, Uh, with predictive and prescriptive analytics, not just automated uh, right away, but also give users an override to make certain calibrations in an intelligent way by giving them insights. Uh, So intelligence is the second theme uh, on which our uh, system is built. Uh, The third uh, pillar is integration and interconnectedness. Uh, Earlier, I explained how different functions in supply chain, they have siloed products. Our product, in a way, Connects All of them. So warehouse management systems, logistics management system, inventory management systems are our single, uh, our suite of products. They connect them in in a seamless way to ensure that uh, first, first of all, we, we focus on enterprise customers. And these enterprise customers have data, you know, all across the place on in all these systems to do any analysis to demonstrate value. Uh, It's a huge task for any of these enterprises to gather data from these siloed systems and then run analysis because there are different teams and these different teams take care of their own data sources. So integrating these systems in a seamless way is is the third pillar and our our, our product clearly demonstrates that. Uh, And the final one is collaboration. In today's world, uh, fostering collaboration, promoting collaboration between users uh, is a key. That way, you can anticipate problems before they uh, even come to the ground. So uh, these are the four things where technology is helping us. Technology is helping us with automation, uh, making our products more intelligent, uh, with integration and interconnectedness of our application to ensure seamless flow of data and making it more productive for our uh, customers, and finally, promoting collaboration.
0: And that's interesting there, you kind of touch on connectivity and collaboration because um, I imagine over the past year with the pandemic, this might have shifted slightly. So I'm wondering in terms of COVID-19 and any previous disruptions that have happened you know, within the last year, how has automation impacted the actual safety of workers?
1: Uh, right. I can think of a few of the examples where automation actually helped us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one, and it was during COVID only. So we released an automated feature which would... Uh, Enable touchless, and contactless deliveries. So people who are actually going out in the market, uh, they don't have to sign any papers or physically meet uh, the end customer when when they are delivering order. They can do it. Proof of deliveries can be digitized and digitalized. Workflows can be automated to ensure they have delivered to the right person uh, without actually taking in the ID, you know, the, the card. They can digitize it, scan their face and know whether this person is legit and order can be given to them. Uh, second was again in the interest of safety we rolled out a feature uh which used covid hotbeds as another data stream and routed these delivery workers to avoid those covid hotbeds so routing was taking into consideration consideration these route restrictions uh these covid uh, uh, heavy zones uh in a way improving the safety considerations for the for the riders and workers who are on the field uh one more uh, feature that we added in our platform supported, it's, it's pretty flexible, uh, it was around affinity-based driver allocations. Uh, what it means is we will only allocate a certain portion of uh, orders to a rider if that rider knows that area. If a rider is domicile of that area, he or she uh, would know that I should avoid this zone, I should go to that house through this parking lot, uh, to avoid COVID surge or COVID contacts. Uh, so th- these were a couple of measures that we took. There were many more, uh, but these were these were the prime candidates that we built over a very short amount of time in, 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 during COVID.
0: Yeah, and that's amazing. I was wondering as well, in terms of actually your workplace, um, kind of what was the impact of COVID like at Locus? Um, did you move online and was it a lot of um, remote working for you?
1: Right. When, when COVID hit us and uh, nationwide lockdown was implemented, uh, you know, not, not just in India, but at other places as well, there was no playbook for such a scenario. It was first time people were experiencing it. Uh, work from home, our, our organization, it, it promotes working from home. There is no mandate that, no, you have to come to office. So our engineering processes, our sales processes already had those considerations in. So, people were well versed with remote working. It was not that big of a problem uh, for us. Uh, But typically, I see many organizations they suffered because, and they suffer in three main dimensions. The first dimension is around product development, where engineering uh, heavy work is involved. Uh, In our case, robust engineering processes and uh, ruthless prioritization by the product management team helped. Uh, We we just focus on our processes the internal processes to ensure the the velocity of work uh, is not reducing and we are generating as much throughput of work uh, as possible the second uh, place where startups typically struggle uh, and in covid time they actually struggle, where sales dipped they don't have a you know robust sales engine in place people always need face time to uh, make a sale um, in in our case we, in the beginning, we faced that, but uh, our sales leaders, they worked uh, tirelessly to uh, ensure that we improve upon the sales engine and ensure that remote selling uh, becomes uh, at par with what face-to-face selling is. And the results were shown uh, Results were shown almost in six months. Uh, and the third piece is around implementation. Once you have built something and you have sold something, actual on-ground implementation is, uh, is something th- today Uh, today's startup they struggle with. In our case, we experimented with the many, uh, many models and one of the prominent one which currently the team has scaled uh, is around uh, train the trainer. So we identify champions in our uh, customers organization, uh, in our customers and our customer success team, our solutioning team, they they work uh, with these uh, champions and sponsors to ensure uh, that they are ramped up. They know our product inside out. We provide extensive documentation, uh, remote training and support uh, to make sure that uh, implementation is without glitch and on time.
0: Brilliant. And taking a bit of a bigger look at the supply chain, really, I'm wondering if you could touch on what you think the biggest problem was within the supply chain and how did you solve this? How did you handle this?
1: Right. So biggest problem in today's supply chain uh, is or oh, there are many, so I'll just start listing down. Uh, the first one is around value leakages. The biggest source of value that is being leaked in industry today, and then d- during COVID time, it became pretty apparent, uh, apparent. Demand surge. People never expected that this kind of a demand surge can happen, and because of this demand surge, uh, all, all of our customers, CPG organizations all across the world, Fortune 1000 companies, they were experiencing lost sales. Uh, which is again a part of value, value lost. The second problem is around stocking wrong wrong products in their uh, warehouses, in their retail stores. So this excess inventory is again another source of value leakage. The third source of value leakage was around uh, suboptimal delivery plans. So instead of delivering 10 orders in a day, people were delivering eight. Uh, That was again a value leakage because uh, their processes were not robust. Uh, secondly, uh, the second theme of value leakage, it emanated from network design. Companies, they typically design their network, review their network every three years. But this COVID taught everybody that they should relook at their network every every three months or six months at least. if uh, Because dynamism um, has really kicked in. Customer has become part of your supply chain. And this whole construct of VUCA has come in. VUCA, V-U-C-A, is supply chain's are becoming more volatile, more uncertain, uh, largely complex, and uh, ambiguity is kicking in ev- every other day because customers become part of the supply chain. So, currently, the supply chains are designed with single point of failure. Uh, and uh, this COVID just demonstrated and uh, everybody is aware now, and hence everybody, 80% of our customer are looking into supply chain redesign and or at least evaluating their supply chains critically uh so yeah supply chain design being one problem and secondly value leakages in their existing supply chain
0: yeah brilliant thank you for running us through those and i'm kind of thinking um about the pillars that perhaps the overall supply chain um are built upon and touching on technology and data here kind of thinking about um do you have an example of transparency and where transparency has actually been optimized efficient efficiently and thinking about technology and and the impact of data here.
1: Right. So transparency in supply chain is very much important. It is as important as visibility. When when we say transparency, uh, it means transparency across user base, across systems uh, and across processes. The very first example uh, that comes to my mind is around better exception management uh, and better exception handling. So case in point, again, I'll I'll just take the delivery management uh, uh, example. So a a rider, if he or she has gotten an order to be delivered, and due to some reason, that order has not delivered to the end customer. uh, Then end customer's uh, customer experience has fallen, he or she, the end customer would call the customer care to see where my order is, it is delayed, or what the hell is happening there. So if the transparency is there and visibility is there, if the customer support team also knows uh, what the delivery team knows, uh, they would be in a better position to uh, handle such a customer aggravation. Uh, and and that is just one step. Second step would be if transparency is there and adding predictive intelligence on top of it, if customer support team can predictively tell customers, uh, we, we apologize, your order is 15 minutes delayed, uh, but it will surely reach uh, in 15 minutes. Uh, sort. Uh, uh, instead of customer reaching out to you, uh, Companies should proactively send emails, messages of sorts, uh, so better exception handling is there. This is from the rider side, from supply chain side. Uh, for example, if if we know that demand surge is going to happen at a retail store, and a certain product is gonna go out of stock, that information should translate all the way back to the uh, you know production plants, to the raw material uh, procurement uh, teams to ensure that they procure. right goods at right time and then manufacturing happens and then they push it, expedited instead of normal truck from east coast to west coast, they make, you know, uh, air transfer of goods to make sure the retailer's shelves are again restocked on time. Uh, Third example is around these days again, demand surge being one of the prime uh, reason because of which all the problems happened. We did not have right products at right places at right time and right quantity. Uh, but due to demand surge, even the capacity was not sufficient. So uh, a retailer in, uh, in in North America experienced that they don't have capacity to deliver. They have 10,000 orders. So typically on a day-to-day basis, they, they were catering to 4,000 to 5,000 orders a day. And suddenly the order volume increased to 12,000 uh, orders a day they did not have their riders or number of vehicles to cater to these increased uh, you know workload on a daily basis uh, and not having this this kind of a visibility within the supply chain was was problematic for them uh and uh, again promoting stakeholder collaboration through transparency uh, by using technology uh, i think should be the core uh core focus for today's supply chain organizations.
0: I think as well, something to note, um, you kind of mentioning there is that um, COVID hit around the world at different, you know, hit different countries at different points. And I think um, that kind of really demonstrates the importance of transparency and um, something you mentioned earlier, kind of connectivity. And so thinking about a a post COVID world, I mean, we're coming out of it now slightly here in the UK, which is really exciting. Um, I'm wondering what you'll think the future of the supply chain is um, and thinking about in terms of technology optimization and actually leveraging automation.
1: Right. So in the post-coronavirus world, technology to optimize final mile delivery services is going to be more and more important. And the reason for that is, again, demand surge of orders. Online orders are going to increase. And customer expectations are not going to get reduced. They would still want uh, if not the same day, the next day deliveries, Uh, you know, the the prime, the express delivery mode is going to get increased. But again, people would still continue with this whole uh, construct of contactless deliveries. So uh, it it has become a new normal and uh, I don't think it's going to reduce any further. There will be a refocus on efficiency and customer experience. Uh, So emphasis on safety, efficiency, and reliable delivery is going to be consistent now there will be technology solutions that will help companies uh, to improve and optimize their final mile you know delivery operations uh, as as we discuss on demand orders are gonna be rising so in a way people would expect dynamic route planning software and it is pretty evident uh, every other uh, grocery delivery organization or food delivery organization uh, across the globe they are more and more facing this market dynamism and hence turning towards these dynamic optimization solution. Secondly, real-time fleet tracking software, this category of software is gonna get more traction. So enabling logistics managers to chart out plans for safe and efficient driving, uh, sending automatic real-time delivery notifications to end customers in case some exception has happened or delivery has delayed, uh, this this will pick up uh, more more focus. Electronic proof of delivery is something which will uh, which will gain more more traction. Logistic companies today are partnering with the contactless delivery practices, which is part of this whole uh, proof of delivery, electronic proof of delivery, uh, you know, functionality. Lastly, uh, parcel sorting solutions. Uh, so. Accurately managing parcels with negligible human dependence is something which will gain more pro- prominence. Uh, and then again, network design and optimization tool utility is gonna grow because uh, largely every other CPG brand on the planet they just want to you know build redundancies in their system, and everybody is just looking at uh, their whole network design and where the inefficiencies are, uh, how to solve for these inefficiencies.
0: Amazing, yeah. And um, it's also important to kind of think about the um, innovation that's come from COVID, perhaps, and kind of um, thinking about the difference between where we are now compared to where we were last year and two years ago within the supply chain. Um, And something obviously that happened in 2021 was the Suez Canal incident. Um, So I'm wondering if you can kind of touch on that and teach us about the state of the supply chain management in 2021 and kind of um, how that's changed maybe from last year and how COVID actually helped us to prepare for these disruptions.
1: Right. So supply chain resilience has now become a dire necessity. In the, in the previous questions, I tried uh, touching upon that. Incidents like Suez Canal blockage and the continuing effect of COVID-19 resurgence that we are just uh, you know, witnessing, they are causing unforeseen supply chain disruptions. These incidents simply stress on the fact that one cannot look at the supply chain in isolation. Uh, like you mentioned, there are siloed functions, siloed data sources, siloed systems. Uh, everything should be interconnected. That's the first thing. So p- companies are realizing that and they are taking necessary steps to uh, bridge the gaps, uh, but it has to in- increase. More focus from uh, supply chain officers and chief uh, information uh, officers should should be should be going into this endeavours. Second, building redundancies and uh, mitigating single point of failure. Suez so Canal uh, disruption uh, actually demonstrated this fact. People, they were just companies and supply chain planners. They designed their supply chains in a way that they were sourcing material only from selected few suppliers from a, from a you know defined region. Uh, but after this blockage, a lot of these supply chain planners are now exploring Uh, ways to divide share of business instead of relying on just one region rely try to diversify the risk uh, by building more redundancies in the system thirdly uh, more focus should be given to forward-looking predictive visibility uh, and exception management so if Suez Canal has actually uh, created disruptions in, in terms of flow of good What we can do as a supply chain? If I try to empathize with supply chain planner, they should really question what they should do to mitigate it. And uh, technology and tooling should help them take those decisions by what if by doing what if scenarios by doing trade off analysis. If instead of let's say Europe, if we source this material from Middle East or let's say Southeast Asia, uh, if we are manufacturing it in let's say South Africa, how my supply chain should be reconfigured to uh, ensure that uh, things are happening? So. That brings me to the fourth point around modeling, what-if, and trade-off analysis. Uh, lastly, and uh, lastly, and I'm closing the circle here. Uh, interconnected systems. We started with interconnected systems, and again, making systems interconnected so that all the participants in the supply chain ecosystem they have visibility. Uh, if there is a there is an exception in in one part of supply chain, if my sourcing is getting affected, my inventory planner should know that the inventories they have that they have asked for is not coming so they should take remedial action around around that uh with that uh, i'll conclude with, a, with the last uh you know uh point that i personally learned and i think many of my colleagues working in in this sector they learned predictive and prescriptive analytics for informed decision making and, and everybody is investing in it but uh it it has not uh, gotten its own due uh focus. So predictive and prescriptive analytics for informed decision making should gain more prominence.
0: And a key word I picked up there, um, you mentioned at the start, is kind of resiliency. And that's something that um, COVID has definitely brought out, that key word a lot more. Um, I'm kind of wondering, um, I I guess the the state of the supply chain right now could be in the kind of like recovery stage from the COVID pandemic. I'm wondering um, how can we move from the recovery stage to being more resilient and in a more resilient state
1: right to build resilience you have to again all the everything is around building redundancy so there should never be a single point of failure Uh, always hedge your procurement hedge your manufacturing hedge your distribution channels because uh, if tomorrow uh, if you have single point of failure just like uh, it, this happened for majority of the organizations, uh, in, in, uh, Suez canal, uh, disruption, uh, re- resilience will be at risk. So building resilience in supply chain is the only way, uh, out of this grim situation, how you can build resolution first, uh, again, going back to interconnect your systems, uh, give your planners, uh, more visibility across different functions, uh, invest in automation, invest in intelligence, invest in prescriptive and predictive analytics. Uh, Systems should be connected and uh, connections between systems that sit at different nodes of the supply chain uh, should gain more prominence. Uh, Yeah, that would be my assessment uh, how resilience should be built in supply chains today.
0: Brilliant. And as a final question to kind of wrap things up, I'm wondering what has COVID taught the supply chain world, and feel free to touch on this from a personal or an industry or even just a business perspective.
1: Right. So, from industry perspective, COVID uh, has exposed multiple long-standing vulnerabilities and risks among the global supply chain. For some companies, it was a warning to relook into how their supply chain was organized. While for others, it was an opportunity to focus on innovation and growth, uh, adopt emerging practices. Uh, Pandemic demonstrated the power of a connected supply chain, visibility, and uh, advantage a company will have through predictive and prescriptive data analysis. Uh, Pandemic also accelerated tech trends that have roots in improving interconnectedness, uh, automating high value decisions, high value business processes, uh, between people, system and information, Digitization and digitalization of supply chain is just not sufficient today. It has become a necessary, and uh, through technology, through artificial intelligence and machine learning frameworks, on top of supply chain business processes, what uh, one should one should hope uh, that uh, situation like last year, where products were out of stock, we won't be able to witness. Uh, a solution that gives you real-time visibility on your orders and resources, uh, advanced analytics for better decision-making, optimal planning and execution, seamless integration with other systems uh, in, in the solution in these uncertain uncertain times uh, is, is the need of the hour. I think it is actually time to future-proof uh, supply chain. And with modern tool and technologies, uh, companies can can do so.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much for that. And overall, thank you so much for your time today and coming on the podcast. And as a final message, I think um, obviously you have just got a great argument for saying why we need to digit- digitalize the supply chain. And um, if you haven't invested in technology and um, already in your business, then I think hopefully this podcast gives you so many reasons why you should. Um, so thank you so much for your time today and for your insights It's been absolutely fascinating. So thank you, Monish.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Emily. Thank you for having me today.
0: You're very welcome. And thank you, everyone who's listening. I hope you enjoyed and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye-bye.